Scripture is written by St. Paul to Titus, chapter 3. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a bright of strength.
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Word of God from Galatians chapter 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Your fellow redeemed in Christ Jesus, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Every year I read this lesson as our opening Matin service, at our opening Matin service on the first day of school. St. Paul is appealing here to a reality that we might think is outdated, that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, but it's not outdated at all. Every student here knows perfectly well how it feels to have to work really hard at something without seeing the point of it all. It's just work for the sake of work sometimes, isn't it? So it seems. But this is why I read this text. Our kids feel like what they probably think a slave must feel like. But what is the difference between them and slaves? Well, the difference between a slave and an heir is that the slave must work for the benefit of others, and no matter how hard he works, he will not earn ownership of anything. It never becomes his. He must work because he is told to work. An heir, on the other hand, already owns everything. It's his. What his father and mother own is already his. It doesn't become his once he's worked enough. It doesn't become his once he's good at using whatever he's using. It's his solely on account of the fact that through no merit or effort of his own, he was born to his parents. And this, long before he was able to stand up and make a decision to accept them as his personal parents. He is an heir of what his parents possess long before he's able to show or express appreciation for it. He will not know how to appreciate it, however, until he has learned, like a slave, how to work for the benefit of others, and to do what he is told to do. And above all, to know that that which is most precious for him, to own, he can never, ever earn. So how do we teach a slave to be a good slave? We tell him to do what he's told. And if he asks why, we say, because I told you so. And how do we teach an heir to appreciate his inheritance? We tell him to do what he's told. And if he asks why, we tell him, because I told you so. We know from experience that there's really no difference between an heir and a slave, as long as they're children. But there is a difference. We know that. 
And so does St. Paul. So does God. We want our children to know it too. But the difference doesn't lie in the child's industry at all. Or his skill. We don't hold them hostage to our grand expectations. Nor does the difference lie in the child's value as assessed by exams or by the market. We don't hold them hostage to anyone else's expectations either. No, the difference lies rather in one simple thing. What we think of our children. Before the difference lies in what the slave knows, that he is a slave who owns nothing. Or in what the son knows, that he is an heir and owns everything. Before the difference lies in what our children know, which sometimes takes a while, the difference lies in what we know. Kids, you might think you're treated like slaves sometimes, but that's only because in many ways you are a slave. At least as far as anyone can tell. Do what you're told. You don't understand the value of it yet. That's okay, one day you'll see. One day you'll be glad you're slaves. Right now you must be content to know that your parents don't look at you as slaves. They look at you as dear children whom they love. They want you to benefit from knowing what they know, and in many cases what they regret not remembering anymore themselves. They want you to practice your musical instruments because they know the satisfaction there is in possessing such skill. They want you to pay attention in math because they know better than you would advantage there is a learning. They want you to study your Latin because there may be some benefit in gaining access to the wisdom of the ages out of which Western civilization has been brought forth, especially now as we see it decline. They want you to learn history because they don't want you to be doomed to repeat it. They don't want you to be doomed. They want you to be blessed. They love you. You can be the owner of all the wealth in the world by right of your birth. But if you don't know how to enjoy it responsibly and righteously to the glory of God and to the service of one another, then it's all for naught. You might as well have been born with nothing. And so, because you are born with much, your parents require that you learn, like an obedient slave, how to use well what is already yours. They do this because they love you and want you to be able to enjoy what they enjoy, since it's theirs, too. If you do not learn, like a slave, how to use what is yours by right of birth, then, in a terrible, ironic twist, you'll become a slave. A slave to your own lazy desires, selfish goals, and pointless thoughts. Everything that your parents right now regard as yours will slip through your fingers like sand because you didn't patiently believe them when they told you that it was all for your good. So what is the difference between a slave and an heir? It lies in this, that you know how your parents regard you, and that you learn to rely on their regard and love more than on what you either want or feel in the moment, or on what you can earn from them or from anyone else. What makes a slave a good slave is that he does what he's told. He honor, he earns his honor. What makes an heir a good heir is that he trusts his father.
when his father tells him what to do, and all the more when he believes his father, when his father assures him of his love. The heir earns nothing for himself, but by faith possesses what he will someday enjoy more fully. The distinction lies in this. The father loves his son. The son obeys his father and believes his father when he promises him that all things are his. Even when it means he must suffer. I hope this makes sense. It isn't just that an heir and a slave cannot be distinguished while they are children, like we don't know the difference, we do. It is that they must not be distinguished. A child must always first learn to submit to because I said so. Before he is indulged with pathetic attempts to beg and persuade him to do what he should and to like it. Our children must be held under guardians and stewards and under your authority until the time appointed by their fathers. Right? Well, this said, however, and I think we have some pretty excellent teachers here who make learning as enjoyable as it can be. We obviously toe a fine line between imposing joyless burdens on our tender children and indulging them in frivolous games and fun. When St. Paul says what he says, he's not operating with a caricature of slavery where we imagine a cruel master clobbering and yelling and offering no encouragement no, he's appealing to a reality that is perfectly consistent with love, respect, and kindness. That your child is no different from a slave doesn't mean we treat them like animals here. We love them. We assure them of that great goal they have as heirs. We tell them plenty because I said so, even as we also encourage them of the value of their skills they are learning and how much joy it will provide them once they are of age. We teach them to look forward to a day appointed by the Father, so to speak. Otherwise, what advantage is it to anyone, whether master, slave, father, son, if there is no joy, hope, in the work they do? Dear parents, this is so much more the case when it comes to what we teach our children about their Savior Jesus. They will lose heart if they study any subject if they are not also encouraged to see and appreciate and look forward to enjoying the value of that subject. So it is with the subject also that lies at the center of our curriculum here at Trinity. And I hope that despite how much of it may go over their heads, no doubt, yet I hope that the ease and simplicity with which they have already rendered such beautiful praises of God that have served even to edify and delight our own believing hearts that love the gospel, that their smiles and willingness to showcase the fruit of their hard work and rehearsal, that this is proof that although we have required them to learn and practice because we said so, yet they have already begun to taste the excellence of their inheritance. Their joy this evening is not the joy of slaves who have done what they've been told, but the joy of children of God, heirs of eternal life, who have been shown in some measure either to love what they are confessing. You know that how you regard the value of math or history 
where literature will determine how well your kids apply themselves to the work they do in these subjects. You know that. Children respect what you respect more than they get on. For better or for worse, since they prove this not only by the good they mimic, but also by the bad, they are your children. The sin they are born with, they have inherited from you. They need a better inheritance than whatever commands we or anyone can give them to be better, try harder. They need a savior. And so do we. need a redeemer. They need an elder brother who was obedient unto death in the, their place in order to share his inheritance with all of us poor sinners. That's what they need. And that cannot be commanded into So much more, how you regard the unsurpassably high value of the grace of Almighty God and His mercy towards sinners, which our kids have just sung and listened to this evening. How you regard this will determine how they continue to look forward to living the rest of their lives as Christians who know and love what Jesus has done for them and for you. We are guardians and stewards, and it is our honor. You are their parents. Their birth as your heirs is not by accident. God gave them to you so that you can share with them the best you own. So own what is best above all earthly possessions. Know yourselves what great heritage you have freely given to you in the word of God. And you will be blessed to see the appointed time which the Father has set for all of us to receive the inheritance we even now possess by faith. It was in love for all the saints of old that God kept them in bondage under the law. For he did not treat them as mere slaves without sweetening all their labors by giving them also the hope of redemption. They knew that they were what they were pressing towards because they knew what was already theirs by virtue of God's promise to send them a Savior. They were not saved by the work they rendered, or by the sacrifices they offered, or by their obedience as slaves under the law. No, but though by all appearances they looked like slaves under the old covenant of regulations, they were saved by the hope that made all the work they did, all the sacrifices they offered, and all the obedience they rendered a pure joy, seasoned with salt and acceptable to God. The time was set by their Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in the fullness of time sent forth His Son to assume our human nature and redeem them and set them free from the curse of the law. This is what Abraham believed. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. And of this salvation, all the prophets inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that will follow. 1 Peter 1. And so it is in love for you and me that God holds us in bondage in a manner of speaking. 
And he requires of us our labor, our attention, our voices, our talents, and all we have. But what do we have? He did not give us. And what do we make? What success do you hope for your children to gain? What success have you regretted to have squandered? What success do you hope your children might make up for to relieve what you have wasted? What success do we find in all that we make use of and teach our children to enjoy? What can we boast in but that we are unprofitable servants, daily amassing greater and dearer need to be rescued from what enslaves us to futility and death when the breath of the Lord blows upon us. God holds us to a standard that no one who has ever lived can measure up to without falling short of the glory of God. No one but Jesus, at whose birth the angels sang glory to God in the highest, since here on earth, in the birth of this child, God's favor and peace were revealed toward man. Dear friends in Christ, rejoice in this which our dear Lord has given us to give our children. Whatever success we pursue proves but labor and sorrow that doesn't earn the approval we need. The distinction between our status as either slaves or heirs begins. We must know this for ourselves, just as our children must know it for themselves. Our status is not found in what we figure out or commit ourselves to or live up to or decide, but in what God knows, in how God regards us, in how he shows it to us, in what he gives. Our status as heirs begins with what God has prepared for our inheritance before time began and made our very own through our new birth of water and the Spirit. He did this long before we were able even to show appreciation or thank or praise Him, just as your children owned all you have before they knew right from wrong. Yet even then, in our weakness as babies, Baptized by our Lord's command and promise, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our little hearts to cry to His Father as our own, because Jesus, by His blood, has reconciled us to His Father, and by His word has appointed us heirs. What we learn as we grow, therefore, and what these children are now invited to keep learning and singing for the rest of their lives, is nothing more than a deeper and clearer articulation of the Abba, Father, that their hearts have been crying with confidence since they were first born again and adopted as heirs in holy baptism. This is freedom, to know Christ, that your inheritance depends on what he has done while you were still a slave and unable to help yourself, to know that your own value is found in him who also gives value to all of you. To know Jesus is to know what the Father knows. It is to know his inheritance is yours, because he has become your brother. You own it now by faith in him who became true man to save you, and who has 
true man still intercedes for you in heaven where your inheritance is kept safe and secure until you join him there. God grants us in his grace and mercy also to know what God has, to believe and to find our greatest joy in him who has made us his. In Jesus' name, amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto eternal life. Amen.
who livest and reigneth with the Father and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Father, you sent your only begotten Son into the flesh to put himself under the authority of his parents in an earthly home, and so to redeem us who were under the curse of the law. As he has commanded all children to be brought to him, we ask that you would bless the children who have learned your holy word and other useful skills here at Trinity. Bless the parents to whom they go home every day. Bless the teachers who give their time and talent to teach them. And so bless this school and all who serve it. Bless those who travel this Christmas season and bring all children safely back, rested and ready to learn. Through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just words do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments. And also that we, by thee, being descended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end.
you for being here and for lending, lending your children. You may not be seated. Now, see how we yell at them? Because you're so But for lending us your children, uh, and uh, we hope thereby they would be lent to the Lord, Hannah gave Samuel. Read that story if you don't know what I'm talking about. Your children are there. So, uh, uh, they sounded beautiful, and they look beautiful, and we're all looking forward to a two-week break, and we hope you'll, you are all rested at the end of it. Um, let's see, there are cookies and uh, drinks downstairs, I guess, right? And I didn't do it, but somebody probably did. <laughs> and the little ones are going to be preparing, or singing some, some songs that they prepared too. So go down there uh, if you'd like, and uh, here see some extreme cuteness, and, uh, and uh, again, thank you, and I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. The children will recess after me, while Cantor, Hawkman, and thank you, by the way, to all our instructors, uh, too. Uh, very beautiful. And so, you'll play your recessional, and we'll all recess out, okay?